Oh, you know what? Mm. I was going to put on a fake mustache for our Elseworlds episode, and I completely mm. forgot. That That's all right. Just lie you know, about it. Just lie about it? Okay. Listen, dear listener, <laughs> I'm, I'm, direct, I'm directly addressing you now. I'm wearing a fake mustache. Let's get weird. So uh, I gave you a list of Elseworlds episodes. I mean, should we introduce ourselves? Shit, this is off the rails already. I didn't. Yeah. So this is what Jason, this is what happens when I don't have any structure at all. Like I did not write anything down. I didn't do anything. Let's just for a minute. I'm Nick Filardi. I'm Jason Thielbar. Welcome to the world's second finest podcast. Today, we're talking about an Elseworlds book. Batman Houdini, The Devil's Workshop. This is one of the first Elseworlds books, as far as I could tell. Like, I was trying to, like, yeah, I was trying to, like, figure out um, how many Elseworlds books uh, they'd done in the past. I wanted to pick something from around the era that we're talking about when it comes to, like, Batman. So, you know, early 90s. And I gave you a big list of Elseworlds stuff. And I was like, Jason, you pick. Yeah, a few, so, of them, a few of those I had already read before. So, like, my first criteria was just trying to find something I hadn't read before because I just thought that'd oh, what be did, more fun. Oh, what did you read? Going what did you line. read before? Uh, I think I read uh, Red Sun, Speeding Bullet. Um, God, I'd have to, I'd have to look at the list. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm bringing the list up. Uh, books coming out around then: Gotham by Gaslight, Batman Red Rain, Batman Houdini, Castle of the Bat. Batman, Dark Joker, The Wild, Batman in Darkest Night, and Batman Speeding Bullets. So that was the list that I gave you, and you cho- chose Batman Houdini. The One of the ones that I was a little bit curious, so I'm curious about a lot of those. Yeah. This is kind of my curated list, because there's some Elseworlds titles that are not so great. There's one where Batman's in the Civil War, like running an errand for President Lincoln. And it's like it's like Batman, the blue and the gray, I think is what it's called. And it's uh, not great. Not great. Mm-hmm. Jason illustrated beautifully. Kind of just a mess of a story. Yeah, they're not I, all going to be hits. I, I feel like. They're trying a lot of things with the Elseworlds brand, but I don't know that they necessarily know what it's supposed to do yet. Yeah, well, and I think, though, that that's kind of what, like, I enjoyed about it, because around this time, too, uh, one of the books I loved picking up on uh, a couple of books, actually, around this time that I loved picking up on a somewhat regular basis were uh, Caliber Press. Yeah. Uh, R.I.P. to Caliber Press and uh, Dark Horse. Both were still running their uh, anthology series, their presents yeah. series where, like, people would just try out, like, stories and, you know, just in a Dark Horse old- Presents has been running forever. Like, well, they, they stopped that. It. I know they stopped it for a bit like years ago and then restarted it years ago. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. They had like put like a pause it's, on it, I think. It for, seems for like while. every time I um, try to do research on an artist, some Dark Horse Presents books pops up like, yeah, never fails. I look up an artist, some Dark Horse Presents story pops up. Yeah, well, because it was such a it was such a great way for like young talent to like, you know, sharpen their tools and and try things out. And uh, and it was like low stakes as well. And yeah, yeah. uh, And I I love even as a kid, like I love that stuff because I was like, oh, at least this will be interesting. Like even if I read a story and I didn't like it and same thing with the Elseworlds things like those 
still interested me because I'm like, oh, okay, like at least it's a different concept and I don't have to worry about continuity because like I even back then I always get would get so fatigued when the know, story it itself would pay too much attention to the continuity. For for a podcast that covers Batman continuity for 45 minutes every week, like yeah. you you're a pretty anti-continuity guy. Well, it's just I'm I'm anti being so beholden to continuity like so like it's like obviously like have the story like make sense you know what i mean but yeah. like those whole things of like oh well if if batman was in paris at this time and then like you know bruce wayne was supposed to be here at this to on on this day like how do you explain it's like sure because sure. they got the calendar date wrong man like come on like don't make them make a whole oh great now we have <laughs> a, a, an infinite number of universes and oh we're gonna have cri- remember how crisis on infinite earth was supposed to fix everything and it didn't and then all these other crossovers were supposed to fix everything and it fucking didn't and like they never do because just pick a few major things to stick with continuity wise. And then the rest of the shit, like let the nerds argue over it. Cause they're going to argue over it anyway. Yeah. Y- yeah. Y- you know, like that, hey, that's, oh. we're neck deep in this already. Yeah. And we have, oh, not, yeah. we have not painted what else worlds is what. So yes. there's, there's a, like a tiny star with the word else worlds written around it on the cover of this Batman Houdini stuff. What does, what does that mean? What does else worlds mean? Uh, as as far as I understand, it, it just means that it's non-canon, you know, and I, I think I think it's more than that, because like Batman Legends of the Dark Knight is mostly non-canon as well. It's like, oh, really non. Well, I mean, like, OK, it's it's a pretty muddled time in the 90s for this kind of stuff. Like yeah. Legends of the Dark Knight started as like you know, not canon Batman. We're just going to tell some good Batman stories, hire some good artists, and it'll be like a, a showcase of Batman stuff. And we won't get bogged down in continuity. Yeah, yeah we won't worry um, about it. We'll just whatever. However, that kind of changed a little bit uh, with like the Venom arc for Bane. They introduced Venom, obviously, and then that took to the regular continuity. And then like we talked about in the previous pod, about how the the Dr. Chandra stuff ended up in the Legends of the Dark Knight, which that stuff is unhinged and is the most continuity for the sake of continuity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Elseworlds is out of continuity, but it also is out of time, out of world. It's out of like everything. You know, oh, so yeah, it really, yeah, yeah. really, we're distilling every character down to like what their essence is. Like, what is Batman? And Batman is a kid with murdered parents who is trying to like basically repair that in his life. Like, that yeah. is driving him to seek justice. And Batman Houdini says, okay, well, what if we take that idea, this kid, and we put him in. I don't know what year is this? What, how it's, long was it, Houdini alive? Well, it was it was like late, it was like late twentieth century, so it was just at the end of the Victorian era. So it's still very much like Victorian era, but it's in the because there's women's suffrage and yeah, there's all there, there's um, like iron and steam. So that's very much like second industrial revolution. You know, yes. and that's around the time Houdini was around too. Houdini, uh, born in eighteen seventy four, died in nineteen twenty six. So. Yeah. We have Batman. Yeah. Like you said, 
uh, early 1900s with Harry Houdini yep. in Gotham yeah. for this book. Uh, yeah. let's, let's get into the book. First, I want to talk about who actually worked on this thing. It's written by Howard Chaikin and uh, John Francis Moore, illustrated by Mark Chiarello, lettered by uh, Ken Brusenak. Jason. Yo. This thing, this thing was kind of a ride for me because it was incredibly difficult for me to follow. I'm reading really? another. Yes, I'm reading another hmm. comic book right now that is also very difficult for me to follow, <laughs> and <laughs> I felt like I was trapped <laughs> in in just like working real hard to understand what's happening on every single page. Um, I will say before we before we start, and there's really really fantastic things about the art and there's some stuff where i'm just like i don't know what's happening what's what's <laughs> happening with this art um, yeah 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 before we get into that i just kind of want to shine the spotlight on mark trello just a just a tiny bit because mark trello he won the 1993 national cartoonist society award for best comic book for this uh comic book batman houdini and people know him probably, or I know him a little better as kind of one of the foundational colorists that works in um, a way that was like a departure from, you know, the regular comic books that we think of in like the 80s and 70s and stuff and starts to like push it into more um, artistic and adult palettes and things like that. Like he worked yep. on... Uh, more like seed of destruction yeah more painting painter yeah. like painterly like a paint even if it's not strictly paint like watercolors like it is in this book but like the painterly like kind of yeah. style of the way so so like yeah not necessarily painterly like he's doing watercolors for batman houdini but like yeah painterly like he's thinking about palette and he's trying to present it in like an artistic way in a unified way where it has like thought and process behind it. Not that the other stuff doesn't have thought, but it's 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 just a different way to think about color. You know? Yeah, it's much it's much more it's much more thinking about it like um more in more intent more intentionally like how to put it like like you said like not like the not like older stuff didn't have the intention, but like in in the classical sense like color in in painting like in a renaissance painting has a lot to do with the meaning as well and like right right you know like in that in that kind of even, form is even at is, a even on a more basic level it's like there was a way that comic books looked before like kind of the digital revolution in the yeah. uh, 90s and, and 2000s and like that was a way that was a solution with a limited tool set to make the best comic book you possibly could and then yeah. In the 90s, it started to be like, okay, now that we've expanded our tool set, how do we present, like, what is what does a comic book look like anymore? Like, how do we yeah. make, how do we make a comic book feel like a movie? How do we make a comic book feel like, have like a, a vision and a tone and, you know, like, it's all these things. And Mark Torello was at the forefront of that. And so oh, cool. I, I, I just wanted to like, kind of. You know, before we before I start being like Mark Trello, what are you doing? <laughs> Thank you, well, Mark I, Trello. <laughs> yeah, and I also want to give a big special shout out. I, I didn't even know he had uh, written this, but 
I was pleasantly surprised when I downloaded the book. I was like, oh shit, Howard, Howard Chaikin. How, you, yeah, you know, he, yeah. And who, who was integral to, he was like one of the titans of the, um, the, the 80s black and white boom with like American flag, you know, and he is a very good artist in, as well in his own right, as well as writer, you know, and I've always been, yeah. uh, a, always been a big fan of him. He was always a guy that like, e- even when I dropped off of like a lot of mainstream books, I would like, if I saw his name on it, I'd be Check like, it out. yeah, I'll check it out. I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's uh, always, you know, is, has Howard Chicken become problematic? I feel like, I feel like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't think so because I think like American flag was supposed to be like a satire. If I remember correctly. Um, I can't, this is the thing. It's been so long since I've read American flag that I I can't remember if it's satire or if it's like, he's doing it to be like, this is my fantasy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, and we'll get into it more. Like once we talk about the book, but there is a very heavy, um, you know, uh, there's a lot talked about, uh, even casually in this book about and shown like the uh, awful anti-Semitism and like open anti-Semitism oh my God, at the time. Yes. And I think that like he's like that's I think that he did he took um, you know what let's let's just get we'll, let's we'll just get talk into about the, the actual book. Yeah. book. yeah, we'll just get into right. the actual book. Yeah. Do you want to? I mean, we don't have to break it down page by page, but do you want? Yeah, because it's pretty pretty long pretty long yeah it's a long it's a long book do you want to just like break down kind of what the plot is and we'll kind of share what we liked and what we didn't like out of it yeah so uh the devil's workshop follows uh as we were saying uh late victorian era early 20th century uh bruce wayne whose parents were also uh tragically murdered in that era uh gotham and we're we're dropped into this very like edgar Allan poe like like story and vibe like from the art of this like maniac is abducting children in gotham and no one can find them and there's yes this, children are disappearing yeah yeah and there's this monster that has been also beating up criminals or something like people don't know but we we also uh immediately attach ourselves to harry houdini who uh an intrepid reporter does not trust and uh through uh uh Going to a seance, uh, Bruce Wayne and Harry Houdini meet up and end up teaming up as, you know, Batman and Houdini eventually to find and take down the maniac who's the stand in for the Joker who's abducting children and the maniac's boss who, well, spoilers, turns out to be like a vampire. So so. can I just one of the things that uh, made this very difficult for me to kind of parse Mm. Um, was that so Harry Houdini I believe is narrating it all the way through I couldn't this yes. is this was part of my problem is that the narration boxes sometimes went with it's like they were sometimes Harry Houdini's inner monologue and then it was sometimes just straight up narration to like what's happening on the page yeah and other times I was like, I couldn't tell if it was um, another character and the narration boxes I found to be um, very, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Poetic, even like very flowery language. Well, yeah, as a Victorian would right. as Victorian like, what, writing is supposed to be like, OK, Batman's 
uh, chasing what is like the the Joker of this universe who's stealing stealing children. He's chasing him down into this like red like subway platform that's being constructed underneath Gotham City. They're building a subway, and he's going into this tunnel. There's police with dogs behind him. He's like chasing after the Joker, and this is the narration that's happening. The smell of meat carried on the frigid air like voices over water, driving miserably treated dumb brutes mad. If I'd had been there, experience would have bet one out over youthful excess. And I'm just like, does this is this important? It was like hard for me to like. So that's that's one. If that was like one caption box or maybe even two, it'd be one thing. Yeah. But it's like. That's four caption boxes over a page. And then the art is very much built out of these like watercolor of uh, like what looks to be like heavily photo refed uh, stuff. So I think Mark is kind of like locked into this photo ref stuff that he's building and it's creating not the best roadmap for like what's happening you know like it's hard for me yeah. to follow the action in places yeah to know what's going on like so bruce walks down into this tunnel then there's a shot of a policeman and dogs then there's a shot of bruce looking at a body i can't tell if it's a kid or a man because it's it's watercolory and it's a little dark it's in the back and then there's like a shot of a lantern exploding next to bruce's head and then a shot of the Joker laughing and then they're on top of each other. Uh, and then the dog is there in the last panel. And I'm like, I like it. It takes so much focus, even just this one page. And this page is pretty simple in the scope of the book just to like understand what's happening. And so you're so like I'm trying to parse that and I'm trying to parse the flowery Victorian language that's happening on the same page. And then I'm like, did I even need this language, Jason? No, no, you didn't. I, I think, I think the thing that like, and, and, and I, and I think it's proper to, to, to give credit where credit's due that like, there's like you said, they're still kind of trying to find their footing in else worlds. And even like in the evolution of like, especially mainstream, like comic books are trying to find uh, more uh, a, adult and better ways to tell the story. Right. Right. And, yes. and I think that maybe um, the creative team didn't trust that uh, the art alone would sell the Victorian vibe, which I think did uh, yes. more than enough. And so I think they wanted to add in a few of those things just to sort of get you in the like, if you've ever read like, you know, like stuff from that era, that's how like the literature was back then. That's how like Dickens right. reads, you know, it's, it's all right. Right. like overwrought. Um, but I, I also think that like, um, the, the artwork reminded me a lot of the way I felt about, uh, the way the, uh, storytelling and action was in, uh, Brian K. Vaughn and, uh, uh, Tony, was it Tony Harris? I just looked it up to make sure. Oh, Starman. Yeah, Tony Harris. Uh, X, well, they, well, that was, um, that wasn't Brian K. Vaughn on Starman. It was Tony oh, Harris. Was, it was, yeah, it was yeah, Tony yeah. Harris and like, God, it's going to bother me that I'm forgetting his name. Anyway. But uh, it was Tony, Tony Harris, Harris is very, very photo reft uh, kind of an artist. Yeah. And the and the only the, the problem with that is that like and I did like a lot of Ex Machina. Um, I won't get yeah. into my actual criticisms of it past this. But like because his art is like that, any 
serious action and movement is so wooden and it doesn't it doesn't flow because he never he he never in just like with this art there's never any kind of uh distortion of the figure like not yes. even in to to again to bring it back to a, a renaissance painting reference like even in renaissance paintings for certain poses they would exaggerate the anatomy of something because it would make it more dramatic you know it's like right. they knew it wasn't realistic having like if they were doing like a Christ, like like Christ contorted in a certain way, but because it made it more yeah. like dramatic and painful, they did it because they were going to uh, uh, trust that the audience was going to understand that there was intention behind that. Right, right. And, this, and I think in this art, this, this kind of style feels like, yeah, yeah, this art feels like he was taking photographs and like lightboarding them and then kind of drawing on top of the photo, like, you know. Drawing yeah. the drawing, the structure exactly how it is in the photograph, and then kind of cartooning it, um, but not the actual structure. Cartooning like the rendering and things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and um, and, and and that kind of stuff can work great in like like I love uh, Bacchus. It's, it's by Ed, yeah. by Eddie Campbell that has a lot a lot of it's just pen and ink, but there's some like certain watercolor like stuff to it. But like Bacchus is like mostly like people talking you know yeah, what i mean right. so like it, uh, it can work great but if you have have any kind of i read action, i read a lot of this kind of stuff um i just read showa the history of japan 1926 to 39 and yeah. in it the artist uh it's an autobiography for anyone who didn't listen to the previous couple pods it's an autobiography and it's also the history of japan and like the audiobiography parts are the manga is the manga artist um, Shigeru Mitsuki, like doing his thing, like making a manga, like cartooning. And then yeah. the history parts are all like he's using photo ref. He's working from famous photos. It's it's all very structured, very like like this book is. So in Showa, I feel like he's using it as a way to like give a roadmap to the reader. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where he's like. Yeah. We're talking history now. Now it's my story. And it's like a little looser and a little more cartooned. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and yeah. so I'm, I, I do feel like this works places. And I feel like for illustration, this works really well. Like any of these panels look fantastic, like in a vacuum. Yeah. And I, and I think and I think to 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 a given give him a bit more credit that like there, there weren't a whole lot of action scenes in no. this and and i did love the action scenes of um houdini being houdini and like getting out of things i thought like that was handled sure. really well because because of misdirection you can that man that's all comics baby is yeah 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 misdirection is like you know i get to control we, what you see exactly so so let me uh let me just give you an example of a page that uh took me a couple reads to kind of like figure out all right, what page? What page are we on? What page are we going to? Uh, I am on page eight, very early, very early in the book. And I, I do gotta say, reading, I read it and then I reread it, and once yeah. I knew where where it was going, it was easier to pick it up and read it again. Like, yeah, there's so much in the beginning that's like they're trying to give me the mystery, and I'm just struggling to know which character is which. You know. Mm -hmm. 
because this is the other thing. You have Bruce Wayne, tall, dark and handsome. You got Houdini, another like white guy with black hair. And then it's like it's so hard to like figure out sometimes like when both of them are in a scene, which one is which? Yeah, I think they should have made Houdini because Houdini was not a a man of very tall stature. And I, I think no, they, they should have made Bruce made Wayne like, a complete beefcake and then like Houdini slim as a rail, you know? Well, Houdini wasn't slim. He was short and very he was stout. You know, he was yeah. like five, seven, but like 200 pounds or something like that. He was just all like muscle. Okay. But so let me get into let me get into my my thing with this. So you have shot of the railroad. And there's a carriage that that hits the train tracks and the carriage flips over. Joker's like like, you know, flying off the carriage. It's in front of the tracks. The the carriage opens up and there's a body that comes out. It looks like an adult person in that third panel. And so they're like, you know, something's on the tracks. Uh, It turns out it's kids in there. So like right there, I was like, oh, I, I I missed that. I guess that there's kids in there. Joker takes off, but you don't even really see the Joker in this page. So I don't even know if that's the Joker or not. So we get to panel four and then there's two guys hanging out there and they're like, hey, you there. And the Joker's running away. So those guys are not on the train. They're in the background. And then like Bruce Wayne and uh, I guess Lucius Fox or Alfred. I'm not sure. Uh is on there is there and they're like what's going on can you see what's going on? and they're like hanging out of the train right and then you turn the page and there's a guy in front of the uh overturned cart and he's like it's a bunch of kids get that driver there he goes out into the out into the woods and so that guy sitting with the carriage was one of the very tiny guys in the background two panels ago And I I just feel like the way that it's shot, if like I just if they just backed it up and just gave me an establishing shot so that I knew train carriage guys hanging out like I just needed a roadmap. I just needed to see the map of the place to understand what was going on and where everyone was. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I completely get that. I mean, and I do agree with you. This is a very, and this is a good example of like the, how the action can get muddled. But I think it's also probably due to the fact that like, because it is like, you know, just honest, obviously just honest to God, watercolor that like, like watercolor is a medium that like you need a lot of space in. So you don't have, you have a, a very, um, you don't have a lot of limit on like how small you can make your panels. You know, yeah. and when you want when you want quick, choppy action, sometimes it's really cool to have a bunch of panels in a row that are that are like, you know, maybe like like less than two inches like a- across, you know, right. to give that like feeling of like, ba 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 ba. But you can't really do that with watercolors reliably. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they kind of yeah. tend to like bleed no matter what. That's like the point of them. So I think I think a lot of it is that. And I think because they just don't have the panels for it and also probably there was because this probably took for fucking ever to illustrate you know they're like okay i can do no more than 60 pages you know what i mean like right and, and even that's going to be a stretch because this thing is like what 54 pages long something like yeah that. yeah you know so it's like 
Yeah, again, like if there was maybe an extra page that just had two panels on it with like a a bigger establishing shot of I just need one large that. And I felt like that through this whole book was like, I just need the camera to just like back up and show me who's in the room. Just just. Yeah, I just need like a little bit of clarity, just a little bit of clarity to like help me through this. Yeah, well, in the flip of uh, the 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 changing of the of the focus also from panel one to panel three is a bit right. jarring, right? You know, so like we're with the train, then we're with the cart, then yeah. we're with the cart and the Joker, then we're with the Joker as he's like carrying a kid, and we see the guys in the background. Then we're back on the train with yeah. uh with you know Bruce Wayne, and then we're Back to the cart with one of the guys who we've only seen like, you know, a quarter of an inch tall at this point. Yeah, like that would have so, been like, I don't know. That, yeah, I don't know that that's one of the guys because they were they were literally like watercolored, like faded, dark gray silhouettes of figures. And then now he's in a yeah. blue coat with a with like a red patch. And I'm like, who is this guy? And then we and then it's the focus is back over to the Joker then back to the train as it smashes the the cart and you're I'm, you're just all over the place yeah i think i think also th- this is this is probably a thing that when you're experimenting you know with something like this where where you're like okay i want to do a comic book in all watercolors uh, yeah. i'm going to go photorealistic but i'm also going to go very limited color palette because i want to have a, a very smoky victorian feel to this right um and I think that uh, with experience, like I, I think right after they did this book or even like a few years after they did this book, if you ask them like what they would change when they would do it again, they'd probably have a lot to say of like how they were supposed to how they maybe would have planned out the limited color palette a bit better and what they might have yeah. done. Yeah, because like of how that limited color palette makes things muddled, because I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, OK, I'll re-edit this page, right? And like, let's say, let's make all the panels almost nine panel grid about the same size as the first panel and make yeah. it mostly from the point of view of the train like we are in the first panel. Right. But the problem there becomes then that's way too much black that's going to be on this page. And then how am I going to fit everything into the background of that in a watercolor <laughs> style that's going to make sense that you're able to tell people apart? Because I'm using right. right what, like four or five different colors? Like that's it? Little. Right. Like. So I I think maybe the this is just one of those things that like you don't learn the best way to do it until you just do until the you whole just do thing. It. Yeah, 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 totally, yeah, totally. Like so, so, but but yeah, but that that was something that definitely did like drag the book down. I think that was like my main criticism. If they like would have stuck more with this being a mostly um, uh, old school style Sherlock Holmes story, where like there's very rarely like actual like violence in a Sherlock Holmes story and like sure. the original Conan Doyle ones, you know, they're just the violence had already happened. And then like Sherlock shows up and like solves it and figures maybe it someone, out. Yeah. 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 Maybe someone pulls a gun or something, but it's like nothing like too yeah. crazy. Right. And like, like I said, it looked like they were trying to kind of keep down the action as much as they could, but it's still, it's still a Batman was, book though. Like that's yeah, the thing. Yeah. You still got to have some punches. You still so, got to have some, you know, these these are my main criticisms with reading this. However, we kind of got derailed. What yeah. is this thing about? This is about like so Bruce and Houdini 
meet up at the seance. Kids are going missing. Batman is is doing his bat thing. The they also as the character of Vicky Vale pops up uh, as a reporter. She's like, you know, wants to do more, you know, like hard hitting journalism. She doesn't want to cover Houdini hanging out with Bruce Wayne, you know, whatever. So we have like yeah. her kind of character, but her character is also like there just to be there. Like she doesn't really like move the plot forward at all. I think I think she's there mostly. And again, I'm I'm I took her being there as uh, Howard Jenkins just being really straightforward you know about yeah. like this is what the times were like because she he makes her she's she's outwardly... there to like illustrate women's suffrage and yeah 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 and, yeah. and, and, and how that. yeah and, and just being really blatant about it you know the the, the right. same way he was really blatant about the the anti-semitism and the open anti-semitism yeah uh there was a couple of times where they were talking about vicky vale where i was like yikes <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, there were some there was some dialogue where i was like whew they we're really like pushing women down in this one huh <laughs> oh yeah it was uh not a fun time to be a woman i mean not yeah. that it really ever has been in at least in western <laughs> society but we don't need to get into that sure 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 so yeah everybody everybody meets up and this is the thing is like so i was you know struggling to follow everything and yeah. they're dropping hints about like Bruce Wayne being a rough rider uh, and they're dropping. And then there's like another character with like a cowboy hat on who's hanging out. And I'm like trying to keep track of everybody that looks similar and, and know what I'm supposed to be like, you know, aware of. And I think that this book also suffers from the fact that like we get into page uh what page is this um by page 18 our second villain shows up and i'm just like grasping and this is the dinner party you know so like yeah. we're getting we're getting all of our main characters together and then we're getting our second villain character to like pop in and i'm just jason i am just grasping for any handhold just looking for any roadmap to like tell me what the hell's going on and mostly and mostly this whole party is like banter and character development you know yeah 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 i thought i thought the um I I would have kept the main villain just to be the uh the the woman who ends up the 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 German uh singer who ends up being yes. the, the seance. Oh singer. right, I, there's I, a I, third villain. I forgot. I oh my but god. I would have, but I, well, she was the one doing the seance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, and, we can we can kind of get. Yeah. I want to kind of move forward in the plot. So okay, okay. They they have the they have the uh you know dinner party. Batman and Bruce Wayne or Bruce Wayne and um Houdini kind of meet and they they both kind of decide Houdini at this point too is like you know maybe I should do something to solve these murders he's like takes it upon himself to do that yeah. um so then we have uh you know the joker and the other villain guy the the big vampire guy we don't know he's a vampire but he's a vampire um yeah. they're colluding together and then Batman's trying to solve this thing. He's trying to track down Joker because like he saw Joker on the on the tracks, basically. So Batman's trying to track him down. 
he's like bumping into other people. Eventually we get introduced to a third character and this is on page 23. Do you want to talk about lady lady? What's her name? Reinhold. Oh yeah. They're at the theater. Yeah. Which, and special shout out to, uh, the, the beautiful, just straight up, uh, trace copy of uh alphonse mucha uh art nouveau oh yeah for, man for the, for the poster i i love art nouveau so much i have a, a half sleeve that has an art nouveau lady in it yeah yeah um uh, so love that i'm such a sucker i'm, I'm a sucker for the for the there's art there's stuff. two on this page so he made um Torello made a poster for this like sold out toast of gotham uh performance for um Lenora Reinhardt is is performing in this show. And he made a yeah. he made a Alphonse Mucha poster, and then we get to the bottom half of the page, and he just puts a whole other Alphonse Mucha yeah. poster in the background. Like, yeah, you can tell that Chirello's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna flex in this area. Like, yeah, yeah, well, I'm gonna those, make those this look, look and, good. Yeah, and those look like straight up like traces, uh, honestly, yeah. for the most part. Yeah. But, but still, like the 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 time. I don't know, man. To, I to think take he, the time to. You think he just did it as an exercise, maybe as just yeah, like, yeah. I think like, I like think Trello's, it, but like not not copied it, but just like pulled from various. He probably had a book and he just pulled from various yeah. stuff and put it yeah. all together. I think he's oh, his God, chops I'm, are good enough that he probably just did it himself. Fuck! Thank you for reminding me. I'm gonna make a note to um a while back. I was like gonna buy like just like whatever cheap used uh, Art Nouveau books I could find on eBay or something and. I totally yeah. forgot that I want to do that. Now I'm going to fucking do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, but, but, but we're, int- we're introduced to this, uh, to this woman who's a, you know, she's a, a German singer, kind of older, you know, and she sings yep. these like popular, like German operas, but not operas in the way that we understand like the, the um, uh, but the Madame Butterfly Swedish. or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, yeah. like they mean opera in the way that like we would talk about like Gilbert and Sullivan. Like they, they called those like they called musicals operas still back then because like you know HMS Pinafore yeah. is like was called an opera and whatever. But she's uh, they meet her and uh, Bruce and Houdini meet her with a vampire who they do not know is a vampire yet, and she's like a you know clairvoyant like medium and. For those of you Which, that don't know. Yeah, I was just oh, going to say that perks up Harry Houdini. Yeah, because in real life, though, Harry Houdini, um, he was uh, very he was extremely close with his mother. So when his mother, uh, his mother had like suddenly like passed and like it, it like half like destroyed him. And so he had went to uh, a clairvoyant because he, you know, they're like, oh, no, these people are real. Like can, you can talk to your mom. And he was just like, I want to talk to my mom. And he said as soon as he sat down, because Harry Houdini mm-hmm. Old Carney, man, the greatest magician yep. to ever live. He, he was like, as soon as he like sat down, he's like, I know exactly what the hell you're doing. No, this is all bullshit. I know yeah, all yeah. of these. Tr- you're not even good at it. And so he, he spent he... his life. Um, he would disguise himself sometimes and go to like, you know, uh, seances and mm-hmm. shit and like expose them like in the middle of it. You know, didn't he used to uh, have some sort of uh, password or code word to with his with his dead mother that like if she if she communicated through the medium the code word then he knew that like the medium was legit as as far as i know that was with his wife after with his they, wife yeah it was with his wife because he said if he ever because because he did dangerous stunts you know he's like if i ever right. die 
um, and you want to go to a medium, like, yeah, they had a secret uh, password that if, yeah, that's how you can tell it's, right, it's right. legit, you know, so, so his wife wouldn't have to know all the, you know, right, right. All, all the all these details and yeah, 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 yeah. So, so they're, they're both very interested in it because like it, it was also, again, if for anyone who just isn't in the know, this was the time of like Aleister Crowley and occultism was becoming increasingly popular, especially among the, the, the wealthy, because yeah. th- there was this like uh, detachment, especially after World War One and the horrors of that, of like any kind of like religion, because like World War One was like the first industrialized war. Like there were battles before where like a bunch of people died, but like this was the first one where there were like many, many machine guns and people just being mowed down and millions and millions of people dying it's a it's a good thing jason that you know we saw those horrors of war and then we realized what we needed to do and we destroyed all all machine guns and and uh yeah you know made a more peaceful world never did it again you never did it again but so but so born (laughs) but so born out of that was this was this rejection of the uh traditional like like sort of Christian like thought and like values. And even though it was yeah. still like very uh Christian E, the the occultism like really grabbed a hold of people because they because there was all these like suddenly there was all these like brand new technologies that were like rapidly accelerating and like you went like like suddenly it went from it would take like weeks to get a message to somebody on the fastest train even and then all of a sudden there's a fucking telegraph. Like yeah. Feels o- like magic. Up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, like, that's that's the world, that's the kind of world that they're in. And uh, I, I would have liked to have seen this more uh, explored because it is really interesting with a character like Bruce Wayne, who obviously, like, you know, he, he does this crazy thing because he's so traumatized by the death of his parents. And, yeah, yes. he would be the perfect person who would fall into like yeah yes of course I would love to speak to my parents again. That's right. why yeah, yeah, I've, yeah. that's Which- why they yeah. go to the they go to the seance mm-hmm. and like that's the that's the hoodwink they try to pull on them but we'll we'll talk about that in a second there is one thing i wanted to ask you that's kind of unrelated mm-hmm. to this is that when you were talking about like the the rise of the occult uh, and and you know the horrors of world war do you feel like the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s is like an echo like an aftershock of this do you think that like this kind of like occult Aleister Crowley took root in like the 20s and 30s and then like kind of hung around in in our culture and until like the 80s and 90s and people were like, oh, we can't do this anymore because the 80s, and 90s also had a big boom of tech. Yeah, I think. I honestly got the and and this isn't an original thought of mine. So I and I forgot where I heard it first. So if anybody knows, please just know that this didn't originally come from me. But sure. I think in the, in the 80s the satanic panic was actually more of a um it was more of a reaction to a lot of people knowing in the 70s of the awful rampant uh child sexual abuse and other sexual abuses that were going on within not just the Catholic church, but like other uh, church churches and religious establishments. 
And I think that was a sort of way of kind of telling on themselves because like they knew it was happening, but the people in those communities felt so handcuffed, like they couldn't do anything. And sure. I think it was a, it was like a misdirected sort of rage, you know, oh, and that, I didn't and that, know that. And that, I never and that's considered why, that. Yeah. And that's why all the satanic panic stuff sort of became about, um, it became about, uh, like especially harm to children, you yeah. know what I mean? And, uh, a lot of that was just that, uh, and it was also the same like thing of, um, uh, the satanic panic was also more of a parents not actually knowing what the hell their kids are doing, you know, like, <laughs> sure, and, sure. and like, and, and like tragically, like with the whole D and D case, right. It was just like one case where like, uh, a, a, a teenager, uh, committed yeah. suicide and they, yeah. and his mom, his mom blamed it on D and D, but because, and, and again, like a horrible thing to, to lose a child. I can't imagine it. Absolutely. Things like that happen because parents, a, a lot of times, especially back then, couldn't imagine that they didn't know their kids, you know, so it yeah. was easier. It's so it's always easier to shift the blame on something else. Whereas I think the occult thing in the early 20th century was more of a um, an overconfidence in the technology. And that's okay. actually right. that's actually more more mirrored today in the overconfidence I in technology in it, it feels like in talking about a lot of this stuff from the 1900s, what's old is new again. Yeah, time, time is a flat circle, man. It's it, it just <laughs> it, it happens over and over because one of my favorite. Do you call it a syllogism? I don't know. But one of my favorite things is that like if you if you look at like any old writing of. Of whatever the highest technology was at the time, you know, of that era, you'll mm -hmm. find people referring to uh, kind of kind of putting that on everything else, right? Like they'll try to stretch the metaphor. Okay. So like during the time of like steam powered, when steam engines were like the hot thing of like steam engine powered everything, there were like health books that were like the human body is like a steam engine. It needs fuel. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. Let's get, let's, let's steer back into the actual yeah, story. Yeah. Let's go back into the actual story, into the actual seance that then occurs yeah. with, um, uh, totally not a vampire man. Totally anti not. A, yeah. We, Anti-Semitic, totally little, not a vampire man. We get a little, uh, you know, Batman versus Houdini on some rooftops before they join forces and then save some people from a burning building that the Joker set on fire. Um, yeah. It shows it some heroics. Yeah. It doesn't really factor into the plot very much. Like the yeah. overall plot, uh, Though, though I do I enjoy, know. yeah, though I do enjoy how they show that this is a, this is a Batman that is very, very new and yes. there's just, it did make me laugh like the uh, times that, cause Houdini is narrating it where we're like Houdini's watching him struggle, picking the lock on a skylight and he's just like, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, God, look yeah. at this freaking amateur, he'd be here all night. Like that, it's, that was, I think one of my favorite parts of the whole book was uh, yeah. Houdini stepping in and handling the locks. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, cause I, I love those like, because it's such a treat when I think like if I was a writer writing a Batman story, it would be such a treat to me if it just happened to be an early Batman story, because that's before he was perfect. And so, like, yeah. that's a much more interesting and easier character to write because like, yeah, making mistakes is a it's easy conflict because like, oh, he's still new sure. at this. So, like, he, you know, like, oh, he gets beat up by a guy because he's not like 
the sure. world's greatest like fighter like yet you know and yeah so they have some they they do do some jumping from rooftop to rooftop and we also breaking get and our, entering uh we also get the first bit of um two uh jewish people talking and they're speaking in yiddish however yeah. it is in english and they changed the font to like a more uh you know yiddish looking like font and i thought that was really really great and like we have um we haven't really delved yeah, it's into almost, it's a almost lot hebrew of it, it almost looks yeah, hebrew. yeah yeah like yeah, yeah 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 uh and we haven't really like delved into um the anti-semitism that like the vampires throwing around yet but i thought yeah. that was like a nice little like celebration of the you know a little bit of the culture at the time and like how oh yeah maybe how maybe like insulated these people were with the rest of society at large at the at the time and i i don't know i i thought it was a neat little yeah flourish especially for the letterer to throw in there it was also this like very casual open anti-semitism and to people uh so like in the run-up to like world war ii like there were a lot of people like houdini who were like more or less like culturally Jewish, like some of them were more observant yeah. than others, but a lot of them were like, for lack of a better term, like secular, even though like they're still culturally like held it. I can't sure. say how devout Houdini was or wasn't because I just don't know. But it, it was just one of those things too, where like, that's how awful the anti-Semitism was. Is that like an anti-Semitic person doesn't care if you're a practicing Jewish person or not. They oh, just no, care no, 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 if no. you just have that it's, heritage. Jason. Yeah. It, you know, I hate, you can't, I hate, you can't, isn't rooted in logic at all yeah yeah yeah. a a, a bigot doesn't like arrive at their beliefs from reason yeah yeah no i'm not but but yeah but i did it was um i thought yeah you're right it was really cool to see i really did enjoy that aspect of it of like not shying away from like the ugliness of it but also sure um Houdini's such a great just character in his own right because in real life too he was just a very proud person and like hid like only hid how he did his tricks. He hid nothing about like what he thought, how, you know, and who like, he was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And he would fight anybody. Like it was, you know, and it was, it's such a great uh, character to push. It's also really cool to see someone again, a Bruce slash Batman being so inexperienced and to see Houdini, who's already Houdini at this point, kind of like looking down on him, you know what I mean? Right. Like, ah, uh, look at, look at this little tyke over here trying, you know, <laughs> So they they go into the seance and uh, Reinhold is is running it. The other uh, big bad vampires there and oh and and Reinhold runs a meat packing plant. He's like Nuevo Rich and like runs like a meat yeah, packing yeah. business thing. Butcher blood 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 blood. Yes. Uh, so we have we have the seance happen and Houdini talks to his mother. Bruce talks to his mother. I believe, believe his mother. And they're both kind of like, they both exit and they're like, what the hell was that? Was that, was that real? They're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Was, was that real? Did you see what you wanted to see? Like what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. And I do, and and that, and that does, I just want to point out the, uh, what, what page is this? I, I just loved the panel and the pose of, on, on page th- yeah page the yeah where where houdini like no like obviously that that batman that bruce wayne is this bat person and he does like the, right. the cape thing right. with his with his jacket and just the way 
the just the way the pose has his fingers kind of like like winged out like you know right, like right, feathered right. out is just such a like taunting little like ooh i know what you dress up at as night because like, <laughs> like it's funny too like, because like because houdini's just not scared at all he's just like no no fucking and, child. and i think the other thing that's really great about that is that um batman is trying to be like no i don't know what you're talking about and then he's like ah oh, yeah <laughs> like he's i think very quickly the facade drops he's like it's like, oh, he's got me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This, oh, be like, oh, I need to do. Yeah, because then Houdini gives him some tips of like, oh, maybe you should disguise your voice a little bit and try. Right, you, you right, know, right, right. Like, yeah. Come, come on. I'm a true bullshitter. So let me give you some some advice. Yeah, right, like just, right. just, just all that stuff. Because, again, it just makes more. I think it while I do love the stories where Batman's this like perfect human who like knows as much as a human being can know. It's also yeah. like really fun to see him as this like kind of idiot who still hasn't like sure. learned stuff and to like have 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 someone have one over on him is just a it's, so, just, it's just a dynamic you don't see a lot the first inclination that we're dealing with vampires happens on page 40 when that same pose of like jacket out fingers outstretched like oh, you're a bat kind of thing happens yeah. When we have our meatpacking guy, Nuvo Rich meatpacker, talking to Vicky Vale, and he does that over her, like looming over her. And yeah. and it's like it feels really out of place when you like first see it and you're like, and there's like a red background in it. And and you're like, I think I, I think that dude's a vampire. Yeah, I think we I think <laughs> I've we've seen got enough media. Here. I think we're dealing yeah. We're dealing with a case of Draculas. Yeah, I think I think we got to call uh, 1-800-VAN-HELSING and get this. <laughs> Deal with this. Yeah. And yeah get this taken yeah. care of. It moves on from there. Um, Batman and Houdini start to like track down the Joker. They think he's behind the kids. They find him with a bunch of kids uh, in this, you know, uh, I don't even know what it is, uh, like a little toy store or something. They track him down. They follow him. They have a fight with him. Batman kills the Joker in it, I guess. Accidentally. Accidentally. But I guess like they say that he survived even though he kicked him down an elevator shaft. Yeah, I I, I do. I, I will say this, though. The 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 Joker in this is actually like truly terrifying. And it's something that like. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. not like I'm not I'm not like the I'm not the most well versed in Vic, in Victorian uh, literature, even though there's a few I'd like to go back to even. But like they mm-hmm. there is uh like if you actually read those old like, you know, like Lovecraft stories and Poe stories and like it's like there's mm-hmm. some just like dark, dark shit in there. Like even Dickens. Like, oh, can yeah. Get, like oh, it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, they get like real serious. Like, no, 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 man. Lives are going to be lost and no one's coming back. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, Joker definitely I, has that vibe to him. But I wish yeah. that from like this point on, we don't see the Joker anymore. Joker's gone. And it was the Joker felt so like secondary to this entire story. Like he's really yeah, like just a henchman doing the bidding of the vampire guy. And I'm like, I don't even know why he's here, to be completely had, honest. Well, because they had to have a Joker. You know, it's like. But this I, is the thing. This is the thing quote unquote had to and this is yeah. i feel like dc comics trying to figure out okay we're making an elseworlds like what are we doing like do we have yeah. to have joker yeah 
I think well, we I have think to have like, Joker throw him in and then it's like, oh, now we have too much, you know? Well, I, yeah, well, because I think it's like I think it's like, you know, like when sitcoms will do like an entire like parody episode, you know, where you're like, oh, they're doing like a Pulp Fiction thing. Right. And yeah. like but like everyone in the main cast obviously has to be like a character. somebody. Yeah. Like yeah. somebody has to be so because they're in the main cast. That and is I think at that this is time, what this feels like. This feels yeah. like a, a, a right. You your regular cast is showing up for a parody episode. <laughs> yeah. And you, you have to find some role for for them to 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 do like it just. Yeah. So so, yeah, he does feel a bit mm-hmm. a bit tacked on. Uh, I I've I did have a feeling like reading this whole thing that like it felt like um Chaikin had like an idea for like an entire series you know perhaps and th- and then and then kind of reworked it to be like like really like whittled it down because it kind of feels like the reveal for uh Dr. Meatman being a vampire was supposed to be a bit m- bigger of a reveal right. you know we can, and so, we can get into that so yeah eventually they beat up the joker then Houdini comes to Bruce Wayne and is like, I'm going to, I figured out like what was going on with the seance. And then it's Bruce Wayne sitting there. He's thinking he's holding people's hands. They're not appearing on film because vampires. Yeah. And then, uh, Houdini's like, yeah, we were under like a hypnosis from the vampires that we were hanging out with basically. Like, there wasn't any like wires or smoke and mirrors or anything like that because they were using their supernatural abilities to kind of like put us in these trances so that we would see what we wanted to see. So he and Batman are now hip to what's going on and they're like, these vampires are, are stealing these children and they're eating them. Yeah. So Batman's like, all right, we got to We got to go take care of this. And he, he unveils the Wright brothers plane. <laughs> For him and Harry Houdini to fly to the vampires, Jason, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, that I I really enjoyed. Yeah, it's just like you know we're fucking doing this, man. He's yeah, rich. We're all in. He's rich. He's he's, he's got his own plane. <laughs> he's rich. Do, now, now, do you think that that was the writer's idea, or do you think that that was the artist who wanted to just really wanted to draw the Wright brothers' plane and thought it would be uh, really fun to draw Batman based, flying the Wright brothers' plane? Based on how much he blacked out the Wright brothers' plane, it's basically a black void. I would say he did not want to draw the Wright brothers' plane. <laughs> <laughs> is that a, is that a common like small artist protest for like, well, like when they black out a complicated thing and like okay, they're just kind of okay. saying to the to the writer, "Hey, fuck you." For anyone who doesn't know, like, can't picture the Wright Brothers playing in their heads right now. It's basically two wings stacked on top of each other. And there's uh, boxes with, like, X's through. It's basically like a skeleton of, like, holding each plane, each wing together. And it's just nonstop crisscrossing things. Plus, there's, like, I think there's some sort of pedal system that moves the propeller forward. I'm not that sure like about this. It. Yeah, that like yeah, starts yeah. it. And, so there's yeah. like so there's like a chain apparatus propellers that are set in place and then yeah, a very whole small other engine. Yeah, yeah. So. There's a lot to draw. Nothing is encased. You know what I mean? It's not a modern plane. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Torello yeah, is just like 
Wright Brothers plane. Got it. <laughs> Just yeah. black void. <laughs> <laughs> Wright Brothers plane. Fuck this. Yeah, totally working Pretty real much. hard on the Wright Brothers plane, man. Totally. Totally. Yeah. At first, I thought that was like a, a fluke. I was like, oh, he blacked it out. And then uh, and then like as it continues, it stays blacked out. And I don't know if he was just like, oh, of course it's black. It's Batman. Like, it needs to be the bat plane. Or if he's like, I'm not drawing this. <laughs> but pro- he probably came up with the I'm not drawing this first. And then after the fact was like, it's oh, like, oh well, it's Batman. It's Batman. Yeah. I'm not being lazy. He's just, that's what he told the editors. Hey, I'm not being lazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just it's Batman's plane. It's dark. So, yeah, they fly on over to Dracula's Dracul's castle castle which spot which is like the first like a like exterior establishing shot that we've gotten in a long time there's like one other building man it's like pages and pages of people talking uh not yeah, a lot of just like i said like i always wanted roadmaps through this issue yeah and this is like the first time we ever see he has a castle, I guess. Okay, I'm on board. Yeah. He's Dracula. Yeah, I'm on board. He's got Vicky Vale. Like, yeah, it's it's very it's very like high we're school in the production. Well, but it's very high school production of like some play where it's just like, okay, well now we're here. Okay, and now we're here. Like, okay, right, castle. Right. Everyone got it. Okay, Hamlet scene next. You know, like you just <laughs> yeah, don't. yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh yeah, that's right. I'm. Yeah, you're right. the the sen- The sense of place isn't the best. No, no. uh, And a lot of these a lot of these buildings are also. Torello's drawing these buildings as if they're separate from everything else in the world, like every like each building has just like a blank background. Yeah, just so the world never. Yeah, the world never feels like super connected or super lived in. And then once you get inside too, like he'll draw a couple of pieces of furniture and then it'll be just a page of heads, another page of heads, a hallway yep. with nothing in it. Like, so yeah. it, it ends up feeling difficult to get a good grounding and sense of place and know what's going on. Um, despite that, we we set up the vampires are there. Vicky Vale is there. They're they're flying the plane. Houdini's like, uh what do you mean we can't land? And Batman's like, well, in North Carolina, the brothers had a field. We don't really have that. So we're jumping out of this plane. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice, a nice touch. And it's crazy that they killed Harry Houdini from the fall. Just murdered him outright. <laughs> <laughs> no, they no. He, la- yeah. he lands fine. Apparently. Yeah. He apparently lands fine somehow. Well- well, because that's not how Houdini dies. I, they did reference that where he got punched sure. in the stomach, you know. Right, but, right, right. Y- y- you know. Um, but yeah, but then the battle ensues on a train car at some point. It's very... Yeah, there's, a, there's an underground subway system in this giant castle. Uh, yeah. They fight, they fight through the castle. There's the reveal of their vampires. Yeah, Harry they get Houdini tied gets, up. Gets, Gets knocked around by the vampire, uh, you know, Batman and Houdini get tied up. The vampires are escaping on this train. Uh, they explode the track behind them. Batman and Houdini dig themselves out. 
it's basically all action from from here on out. Yeah. Batman goes after the nouveau riche guy. The Houdini is left with the vampire woman, uh, Reinhardt. And, uh, you know, Batman and Houdini beat everybody up in the end. I, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know that there's much to say other than that. Really? Well, I did. I did. I did like how um, uh, shout out to Houdini being able to take down his vampire that he was tasked with killing, who was the German uh, singer, oh, the, the yes. Frau, like uh, because he was like, oh, I guess uh, these work on them, too. And he pulls out a Star of David. Yes. Which he had used to repel and, and kill uh, the, you know, his his vampire that he killed off screen. But I thought that was a that, cute little. Um, I think that was the best moment of the book. Yeah, yeah. And it was just a cool little thing, too, of like, oh, yeah, I, I guess just religious artifact. Like, if you believe in, like, well, he, you know. he also makes a comment. Um, uh, he says, so he shows he shows his Star of David. He's like, slapped her across the face with this as she attacked me. She flinched, shrieked, and melted. And then he's he's like uh, chatting with them as they're climbing out. And he's like, no crosses needed for Jewish vampires, it would seem. You've got quite, quite an exclusive here, Victoria Vale. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, very yeah, fun. Houdini. Well, I, and like Trichin obviously was either already a fan of Houdini or like did his research because I think he wrote like, uh, I, I still have yet. I still won't need to read a proper Houdini biography, but I know like mm-hmm. bits and pieces here and there, and uh, and I think he did a great, great job on like because he was just this like you know wildly overconfident, like wisecracking guy, sure. You, sure. you know, who like obvious. I mean, like yeah, you're an entertainer. That's like you know, it's how you get successful. You be big and loud, and like that's what people want to watch. You know, you do crazy yeah. shit, and it was just like. It's just a really good character characterization of of the actual, at least from what people know of the of the human being, you know? Yeah. So, Jason. Yeah. yeah. What did you think of Batman Houdini? One of the first Elseworld, Elseworlds books. Uh, I re- for all its flaws, I actually really did enjoy it. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's one of those books that like. I'll probably go back to at some point. And maybe like, you know, just like flip through it again. Like it's something that like I, I there there are some books I read where I'm like, that was pretty good. I don't think I'll ever read it again. There are some books I read where I'm like that was pretty good. I'll probably read it again. And I think it kind of falls more into that category where I'm not like, yeah, I don't think I'll read it again anytime soon. But I think, no, I might like I, I own, you know, I, the feeling I might this hit book. me at some point. Yeah, I bought this book. um years and years ago in the nineties, some at some point and, uh, read it then and thought it was pretty good. And then, uh, read it again when I was like 25, but I hadn't read it, you know, for a long, long time, 15 years. So it was like almost brand new to me, especially because the book is so thick and it's, it's like, it's hard to hold on to mentally. Uh, so yeah. it was like reading it, reading it brand new again. I, I will say it did take me a couple of reads to kind of parse, you know, I think you that sort of if, get the action. Yeah, I feel like uh, this podcast in particular, if you're interested in reading this Batman Houdini book, like spoiling it isn't spoiling it. You know what I mean? Because yeah, like, I, I read it once all the way through figured out what was going on, read it again and had a better time with it. 
Yeah, yeah. I th- I think it definitely rewards um, revisiting. You know. Yes. Uh, yes. Be- because because I think there there'll be um, there'll just be like things that like you'll you'll notice that you hadn't noticed before, and I and, and I think that once you even even though the the pacing isn't great you know yeah. and the sense of place isn't great the the more you're familiar with it and it doesn't take a whole lot of work you know the sure. the, the easier that becomes you know what i mean yeah. so it's not like yeah you know, however but, but yeah, i do if recommend you are, like, i do recommend if you're sitting down for like a quick chill read of something batman mm-hmm. houdini is not it that's not what you want yeah, but 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 if you are into like you know a Victorian style gas lamp horror type story, yes. then even even with all the, the like foibles we pointed out, like it'll you'll probably still really really dig it. I think it also is like if you're into how comics get made and seeing like what they were thinking of with Elseworlds when they were starting. Yeah, like I think as a relic of you know the editorial office of dc at the time before they really refined what the else worlds were it's worth yeah. reading for that as well yeah exactly just as from a historical yeah vantage point too it's really interesting to see the the beginning and like the the, the first baby steps of it you know yeah absolutely yeah all right man all right well are we I else guess, done i think we're else done Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, yeah, thank if, you. If people, so much. we're gonna be back to our regular podcast, the podcast after this one. Hopefully, I mean, who knows what's gonna happen to us over Christmas? Yeah, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. I've made I've made a lot of Christmas time enemies, man. I got I got elves <laughs> mad at me. Specifically, I got... Yuletide enemies. <laughs> oh yeah, gingerbread man. I will say, thank. I'm thankfully oh I'm okay with all of the Krampuses and the and the terrifying like you know uh, Welsh and like you know Scandinavian Yule monsters. They're all like we're all cool, but it's like some of the other ones like they got it's it. It's wild to me. me that you can't get the elves on your side but you got krampus i mean i you know i've always admitted that i'm kind of an asshole and i think that's why me and krampus <laughs> really get along you know I think that's, dude real talk just just for a hot second yeah i think krampus would be a good guy to get a beer with yeah i think he'd be all right just yeah. keep him away from 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 kids you know keep him yeah. away from kids and bags of sticks and we're all good yeah that's all that's all you got to do you know, <laughs> Krampus in profile uh, 18 plus, you know, like just <laughs> uh, people can follow me at Nick Phil on Twitter and at Nick Phil on LinkedIn uh, with all the relevant links or LinkedIn LinkedIn. No, they can find, find me on Linktree with all the relevant links to everything I'm up to. Jason, where can they find you? They can find me at uh, the new LinkedIn profile I'm going to make for Nick and pose as him. <laughs> Please do not. Uh, do that. <laughs> I will not. They can find me uh, on Twitter at King of Black Acid or also on Twitter, even though me and Nick share this account at World's Second Finest. That's World's Second with the two, the numeral two ND finest. Uh, 
And uh, hopefully in the future, uh, we'll have some more places that people can visit and shout at us online. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm okay to be shouted at. Any attention is good attention for me. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Hold on, hold on one second. You got your bone flute? <laughs> wait, wait. We got Shannon, a bone flute here? Shannon got a bone flute. Uh, she's been trying to get a bone flute for days and days and days. She's so happy. <laughs> I don't. It's, it's just a bone flute. She's she's working on uh, uh, collecting every single item in Stardew, and she's flipping out right now. Oh fuck, fuck! I haven't. Oh man, I'm on a Stardew hiatus for she a needs, bit. She needs she needs to put the bone flute in the museum so she can get the achievement that she has gotten all of the artifacts in the museum. Oh, and it was it's like the bone flute is like a point four percent like drop, and it was like the last thing she needed, and she just oh. got it. <laughs> fuck i think i think i'm gonna get i'm gonna hop back on stardew valley god damn it tell shannon uh, thank you for forcing me back into stardew valley okay all right all right back into but, this but but back so, into it wait